I am your host, Stephen, and you are listening to the Learn Swift podcast, where beginners to the Swift language share their background, experiences, lessons learned, and ambitions. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Jay Mutsafi. Jay is a recovering web developer who quit his job in 2015 to dedicate more time to learning Swift and iOS development. He recently released his first app, Six Degrees of Hollywood, in the App Store. Hey, Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so what are you up to today? Um, <laughs> today, talking to you and uh, trying to um, st- stay, uh, stay focused on uh, learning and coding. So a good balance of uh, still acquiring new knowledge and then uh, also uh, making progress on the various projects I'm working on. Awesome. Uh, what kind of projects are you working on right now? Um, other than uh, a couple of client uh, projects, I'm I'm working on uh, an update to my app, and we can we can get into that one. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about my the app that I have in the App Store, and then I'm working on a another idea for an app, and I'm trying to see if I can test the viability of this idea without building a full fledged app because it's it's one of those ideas that probably turns into like a whole startup um, okay. but i want to i want to test um demand and reactions and build something very very minimal uh before i i, I go full full scale with this one okay don't want to get too far into the weeds and find out that hey maybe maybe it's not so uh viable yeah yeah it's an experiment both in testing the idea itself and then testing if testing an idea in this format uh works so stay tuned okay <laughs> well we'll look out for that so before we get any further uh tell us your background and what got you into swift yeah well it all started in 1984 i'm, I'm only half kidding i actually got my uh commodore 64 when i was uh when i was four years old and that really got me into uh computers early on but I sort of left all of it and kind of forgot about computers until I came to the States in uh, 2002. Um, I, I was born and raised in Israel, but um, moved here when I was 21. And after working at odd jobs, I was trying to build a small business. I was doing permit expediting for an architect and uh, wanted to build my own website uh, or needed a website and thought, I, you know, I, I love computers. I, you know, I've, I've always had an affinity for it. Let me try to figure this out. And I basically sort of taught myself HTML and CSS and built myself a website. And someone saw it and said, oh, who built this for you? Uh, I want one too. And I said, well, it was me. And then basically this launched my web development freelance career uh, that lasted for 10 years. And that's a very brief history of how I got into general programming and kind of dealing with, with this general arena. And of course... Like many people in 2007 when the iPhone came out and then the App Store a year later, uh, I really wanted to get into developing apps. And I've tinkered with Objective-C a little bit and got a serious headache and uh, kind of got deterred for a while. And when Swift came out, you know, it was supposed to be modern and it was supposed to be uh, a little more user-friendly and tools have advanced sense and there were, there's a bigger community uh, of programmers and so on, and I thought this was the time to get into it. Now, at the time, I was working uh, a, a full-time job for the first time in, in a long time, 
And uh, I was trying to learn like after hours and, you know, and weekends and evenings and so on. And I realized that it, it just was hard to get into. It was hard to do a full-time job and just deal with life and then study this, and, at least for me. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people can do it. It really depends on your life situation. But I realized if I really wanted to learn this and I really thought I did, I should, uh, I should take the time to dive into it head on, like full time. Uh, so I quit my job and decided to dedicate <laughs> six months to a year to learning Swift and iOS. And the, re the reason I really wanted to learn Swift and iOS also in general is to, is to, I think it's easy to coast as a web developer, at least again, this is not applicable to everyone. I'm talking about myself and I'm admitting something here. Uh, it's easy to coast and get away with a lot and do a lot and build serious websites. Uh, without having to know, you know, object-oriented programming or full-fledged full programming and not just like a, I don't know, a little JavaScript, scripting languages, HTML, CSS, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and especially with, with platforms like WordPress, uh, you, can, you can get away with knowing a little bit of PHP and, and do a lot with a little, which is great. But uh, I think something was stopping me because, you know, learning proper programming seemed intimidating. And when, whenever I, I sort of you know, leaned into it a little bit, uh, I, I saw the increased complexity in the learning curve and was kind of didn't, didn't want to put all the effort into it until, of course, I realized that for building apps, if I want to build, I have a lot of ideas. And if I wanted to build my own ideas, I can either pay somebody or learn how to do it, just sort of buckle down and figure this out. And I thought, I, I can do it. A lot of people do it. I, I have the uh, the mindset for it at the very least. Um, and it's, it's worth a proper try. So I quit my job and, uh, and started, uh, diving into Swift online. Uh, and I can get into, into that process, uh, if you want. First off, quitting your job, right. Uh, to, to learn, did you, were you doing anything on the side, like to, to supplement not having a steady income, while you're doing, like, are you doing any odd yeah. freelancing jobs or anything like that? Yeah. In essence, I went back to freelancing. That's a good question because okay. it's kind of hard to do unless you have savings. Um, and in retrospect, now I have a lot of, I would have, would have, may have done things a little differently, but depending on your situation, it's different. So I, I did, uh, I underestimated how long it's going to take me to learn to a degree where I feel comfortable, mm -hmm. uh, you know, coding and maybe looking for a job as well. Um, and so I, I worked a little off of saving and then did a bunch of freelance, uh, projects here and there. And yes, put a little bit more on my credit cards, uh, in that year, but, um, sort of try to create some kind of balance between all those things, uh, to allow me enough time to, to sit down and, and uh, and study and code. And, and when did you, how long ago did you quit your job? That was actually, um, that was in july of 2015 oh wow actually so that, okay. now it's it's basically two two years ago right yeah wow what uh tools did you use to teach yourself uh swift and ios development yeah yeah that was quite a process um and i wish i mean i wish there were like and maybe there were and i just didn't find them but i i wish there were you know, podcasts like this of people, people detailing their, their process of learning. And I mean, as, as I continue to learn, I see the environment evolving uh, further as well. 
and I start hearing other people's stories and, and find similarities. For me, um, I, and, 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 and here is where I hope I can help other people just by sharing my, my journey, so to speak. Uh, I think it really depends on your resources, both time and money. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that the best uh, way to learn, at least for me, was with a human being. Um, any, any human being who, who has understanding, who I can engage with, um, at least to some degree, live, meaning like a back and forth where I can ask questions and follow up questions to clarify concepts. Like, that was like, like a teacher, student, or mentor, mentee kind of uh, situation? Yes, and it doesn't have to be like a full-time kind of thing. So I, don't, I, didn't, take, um, I didn't take any of the b- big boot camps, like okay. eight-week, 12-week, something or other, right. because those were too expensive. So I couldn't, af- I couldn't afford those. Um, and, um, but, I, but, and I'm, and I'm sure some of them are great and some of them maybe not so great, but what they do come with, as far as I can tell is with, you know, engaging with people in, in a physical environment where you have a guide or a teacher that knows what they're talking about, where you can ask questions. So the, the biggest challenge for me was I started off by trying to learn from all the free resources and the free resources are actually amazing. But you have to also identify what kind of a learner you are, because a lot of people uh, learn very well from books and from written documentations and mm-hmm. written tutorials. And my brain just does not just does not jive with written form. Okay. So I need um, preferably video with somebody talking over it, explaining concepts in a vocal language. So and, and, and it took me a little bit of time to realize that. Uh, and so everybody and, and I've and I've looked for a particular kind of teaching style and it took me time to find that as well so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you quickly the details of the Mm -hmm. ones i encountered and what worked for me and what didn't and but i think it's really important because you'll hear different opinions online and i think my opinion is not actually going to be very popular but i'm going to give it anyway because i want to help people like me and if anybody's listening and they recognize in themselves that they are very similar to me this might help them, but this is not for everybody. Like, I don't think there's a one size fits all. Right. Yeah. I completely agree with that. We all learn different ways. Yeah. So I, I realized quickly just learning from books in written form uh, is very, is just harder for me. You have to have, you, you have to concentrate more. You have to really kind of read and read again and, mm-hmm. and tr- see that you understand this, but somebody explaining my brain just picks it up uh, better. Even if it's a static, like a video where I can't ask questions live, uh, that was still very useful. And what I started from, uh, people directed me, of course, to Ray Wonderlick. And right. the free ones are the written ones. And they are comprehensive, but they're so comprehensive that you can't, if you're just looking to understand a small little concept, it's almost overwhelming. And again, it's full of memes. And I am, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately I've never been a big fan. And I know people love that website. And I've even, um, this is where an example of, a small amount of money that gives you a lot of content is really useful. And I do encourage people to at least try it for a month for 20 bucks a month, which is nothing relatively speaking, you get their entire archives of video tutorials. Mm-hmm. And that I think is a good bang for your buck. However, for me, their, their video tutorials were a particular type of like, they assume a lot of prior knowledge. Okay. They post like sudden blocks of code without going into details, explaining them. 
there's a very, it's like teaching from memorization rather than comprehension. And this is the second part where I'm looking for people to identify the kind of learner they are. Mm-hmm. I really, really needed explanations for comprehension and not for memorization. If you show me anything, explain why it works that way, why it's written that way, what does it mean? And uh, that was uh, very crucial for me. And then sort of after seeing some online sort of tutorials about subjects, and of course I read the Swift book, um, I then finally found Udacity. And Udacity, I have a love-hate relationship with Udacity. <laughs> um, but I started from their free, they have three, you know, free mini courses about iOS. There's just, mm-hmm. I think it's just some chapters out of their big iOS nano degree. And they were the most user-friendly ones I found. But at the time where I found sort of Ray Wonderlake and this, and I started just learning Swift itself, just the, mm-hmm. just the language, right. it really worked well for me to, do, to learn them in tandem. So I, I was doing the Swift um, Udacity free, free mini course, mm-hmm. and then the Ray Wonderlake uh, Swift videos. Okay. And they supplemented each other relatively well. So the things that Udacity seemed to have skipped or didn't explain well, you know, Ray's website was explaining well and vice versa. The things that they didn't explain well or skip, the other one. And so together, I, I kind of learned the core basic of Swift. And that was my intro into Swift itself. And then, of course, from there, you want to study iOS. And I tried a bunch of stuff. I, um, uh, I did the Thinkful course. I don't think I've heard um, of that one. Uh, is that yeah. is Thinkful a website or is that? Um... It's a yeah, it's a website. Okay. Um, it's actually a little more expensive than Udacity and a little less comprehensive, and it's very text based. Okay. Uh, but it did help a little. I I can't wholeheartedly recommend it. Okay. Uh, and and at a point around that time is where I also started uh, discovering, of course, the not discovering, but but started searching out the uh, meetups. And the meetups were extremely, extremely valuable because not only are you meeting people in person, uh, you're meeting peers. So you spend time with people learning just like yourself. And it's mm-hmm. just great. It's just helpful. Uh, and of course, you're, you're meeting people who are just have the desire to help and to teach. And that is amazing. I, I, I still, the, the community around learning iOS and learning Swift, is just unbelievable. And it's extremely generous. And uh, I almost couldn't believe it. And of course, I was uh, in LA at the time, and uh, everybody around the, you know, um, I think there's Co- Coco Heads and uh, Learn Swift uh, LA and um, uh, Swift Coders and so on. And it was uh, a fantastic sort of community where, you know, you t- people tackle topics and teach, and you get a chance to actually interact and ask questions and follow through a tutorial and, you know, um, and just engage with people. And I was amazed at the extent to which, like I've had people invite me to their house for several hours to help me with my own particular, you know, challenges in coding. That's how generous people have been. And it's been amazing. Yes. Uh, Most of them are named Steven, which is just (laughs) bizarre and hilarious. that There's so many Stevens in in this community. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then of course I needed, you know, I, I, I never like, burdening people, especially who are just, just, you know, contributing their time and, and volunteering to help and teach others. Uh, and and uh, just a side note, another thing I liked about this community was it was encouraging you to learn by teaching as well. So 
people in meetups who are encouraging you to if if you figured out something if you know about you know collection views or table views or whatnot or you've done an app of this particular kind you've done api calls and so on mm -hmm. um you know come come do a presentation and you find out that by explaining a concept you of course clarify it to yourself better so that has been wonderful and i'm now starting uh finally the uh learn swift portland uh extension of this uh this sort of meetup okay. uh, groups uh we haven't met yet and i've just set it up and i'm trying to find a location but I'm trying to do the same here as was available for me. It's my attempt at giving back to this incredible uh, community. Um, but then I, I realized I really needed, I, I still was struggling with, with a lot of this. And I, despite having a very limited budget, I thought I need to invest in learning this. And even though I can't afford, um, oh, I should mention, Sorry if a lot, a lot of little tangents, but I'm recollecting okay. my entire my entire journey. <laughs> yeah. um, I discovered Co Code Mentor uh, at the time, and Code Mentor was really great because I was trying to learn by doing. So I picked up an idea for a little project that I had, and by way of trying to build it in particular, and not just learn in sort of general high level concepts, mm -hmm. uh, I would tackle particular issues and try to try to learn them. And so Code Mentor is where you can basically, you know, rent out a, a mentor to either help either just solve your problem or show you and teach you particular something or other. Or you can present and it's live, live coding online. Which oh, is wow. Just, I've never, just never heard of that. I'll have to check that oh, out. It's, it's amazing. Now, it's not cheap per se. Like most, mm -hmm. most of them are $60 an hour or more. There are some around 40 Probably okay. no less than 40. Mm -hmm. But if you just need one hour with somebody uh, to really, really talk and do a back and forth and you can afford like just to spare a 50 bucks just to really get a concept, that's been very useful for me. And some of those sessions, I, I didn't do many, but some of those sessions were really helpful. How long do you, do you have to do it in one hour blocks? You don't have to. You can do, I mean, it's just basically 15 minute blocks, although okay. I, think it, I think it actually calculates per minute, but you have some, oh, some okay. 15 minute rate. Right. And the first five minutes is free or, or if they don't solve your problem or don't help you, you don't actually, you don't, you get a refund. You don't actually pay. The, oh, the okay. service is really nice. Oh, that's pretty um, cool. And most of the structure is that they, they, you, you get on with the mentor and you go over it and they see if they can help you or not. So there is mechanisms to prevent you from wasting uh, money. And, right. you can, and you can pick up a, a mentor long-term, which is, again, for oh, those who can cool. afford it, I think it's, it's very valuable. Um, and, and then at that point, I, I knew I wanted to invest a little more, and I think I thought it was worth it. And uh, and I realized that the iOS um, nano degree in Udacity might be a good ratio of expense for benefit because one, they were offering, and I believe they're still offering for that particular program, uh, fifty percent back uh, if you finish within twelve months. So they're trying to encourage people to actually complete the program. So if you finish within 12 months, which most of the people, they say, finish within six months, you mm -hmm. get 50% of your money back. And it's $200 a month, which, again, is not cheap for some. Right. But compared to some of those other programs and boot camps, it's, it's very doable. It's, you know, it's... Oh, it's, yeah. I've, it's very I, I've, I've seen some. I, I, I couldn't even attest, but it's more than like $5,000. I've seen some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and here is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to detail a little bit because I feel it's important. Mm -hmm. Um the the pros and cons of of Udacity. I I call Udacity Nano Degree 
the best worst um <laughs> the worst <laughs> the best worst course uh ios coach online and the, the reason is is okay. the reason is is that they're less the the lesser of all evils in some sense and maybe that's not fair but i'm going to explain why i i say this first of all they are by far the biggest bang for your buck that i could find again unless you can afford something really expensive that's just very dedicated and you can get a person to work with you know for hours on end you get not only comprehensive video courses um, you get the forums where people answer uh, relatively quickly for the most part. So you can post questions at any time of the day and you know, people around the world and mentors you know, reply very quickly and it's very user-friendly. And, and here's the kicker, you get 30 minutes a week mentor session, like a one-on-one video share, screen share mentor session. And huh. that alone almost for the, for the price is worth it. Um, so when you add all these things together, it is really, really valuable for $200 a month. And their, um, their actual lessons, relatively speaking, are, are fairly comprehensive or fairly like user-friendly, easy, understandable language geared towards beginners. Um, and, and those are great. Now, where I, where I think it falls short is that it relies too much on comprehension, on, on memorization and not enough on okay. comprehension. I feel like they skip explaining concepts where I had to actually like, you know, either in the forums or in the mentor sessions, uh, you know, repeatedly do these sessions to explain some concept that they were trying to teach in the videos where the mentor could explain it in like two, three minutes and I finally get it. Okay. So they could add like a little bit to each video to really go a little more in depth to explain the concept. Because again, and I'm speaking to people like me, I need to create a mental model in my head of a concept. So for example, like the delegate pattern, like mm-hmm. delegates. To really get it, there was a, you know, I think there's, there's a video by a guy I like on YouTube called Mark Moykins. Um, and he, he has a video about the delegates that within, you know, five to 10 minutes uh, mm-hmm. explain the concept in such a way that no other tutorial about delegates have explained it that I could find. Not, not on Ray Wonderlick, not on Udacity, not on any other YouTube video. And for some reason, that's just like the way that he explains it to create a sort of conceptual model in your head sort of nails it down. And that applies to everything else from like uh, the storyboards and, and view controllers and, of course, object-oriented concepts like, you know, classes and structs and so on. Um, I really was looking for, and, and, and I've yet to find a really good comprehensive course that really, really tries to nail the conceptual model kind of teaching style. So I think that's where Udacity is lacking and could improve. And I've given them, I've given them that feedback, Mm -hmm. but I still think that if you're starting out um, and you're, and you're oriented like me for the most part, I have found no better place to start um, value for money than Udacity. Because again, between the videos, the forums, and the weekly mentor sessions, uh, that's a really good starting package for what is initially $200 a month and technically $100 a month. That's amazing. Right. So other than the delegate pattern, could you give another example of something that you struggled with that uh, Udacity wasn't very clear on? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. The... <laughs> I'm sorry for the lovers of Udacity. I'm just going to complain <laughs> a little bit more. And again, I, 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 I love, I, I, it's a love hate relationship, but 
and they deserve a lot of credit for everything they do because it's it's not easy to put up this kind of mega course. Um, but as the course goes on, they explain less and less and they do very brief overviews and they sort of, they're trying to teach by just dropping you in the water and saying like, okay, here's the next thing you need to build. Here's a test app you need to build, a demo app. Mm-hmm. Go figure it out, basically. So they oh, explain okay. less and less as time goes by and it's very unfortunate. So core data uh, and the persistent container, they just show you how to do a, a version of it but they don't teach you it conceptually where you where now when you need to create a different type of version of it, you don't understand it enough to just okay. know what to do. You now have to once again, go figure it out. And I had to uh, um, watch several comprehensive videos on core data and I ended up on lynda.com before I understood enough to be able to solve their, you know, task assignment, their homework assignment. And it was, uh, it was very frustrating because they, they, they basically gave me an, it felt like they gave me an example of core data and ta- taught the very general basic concepts of it, mm-hmm. but didn't, didn't explain the core concept. They and just I had to showed you elsewhere. one implementation and then just was like, okay, figure out the rest. Basically, and I will give one caveat. It is possible that I'm just not that smart and I would grant <laughs> anybody that. Maybe it's just hard for me. I don't know. And, and maybe people just get it. And, and here's where, I, again, I want to emphasize the people like me kind of thing, because I think it's very intimidating to, go, to learn uh, programming because it requires this, this sort of one step up kind of uh, abstract thinking. And it's been challenging for me. And, and I, I've had to struggle with, wow, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought, or maybe I just need somebody to explain it well. And when you encounter people who explain a concept well, you start to think, okay, I'm not that stupid. I just need a good teacher. I mean, I don't want to put, put the blame only elsewhere, but, but when you encounter a good explanation, suddenly it feels like the material is not that difficult. You just need a good explanation. You just need a good teacher and you need someone to explain the concept well, rather than teach you just a step-by-step how to do it. Like there's a lot of YouTube tutorials that are like, so you write this code and then you add this and then you click here. And I'm like, well, if I if I wanted just a, you know, somebody to to feed me the code, and I'll just find a GitHub example of this or right. be done with it. I'm trying to learn how to do it myself in another scenario that is similar but different than what you're teaching me. And if you teach me the concept, you know, teach a man how to fish. Don't right? Yeah, I was, about to, I was actually about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's exactly that, and that's been the frustrating part of trying to learn sort of at home and on your own kind of thing. Because it took me, in some cases, asking the right questions in order to get the people teaching me to teach me properly. And again, maybe it's just tailoring to my uh, way of understanding and learning this material, but it's, it's what was needed. And that's why a live teacher is very useful. Or people like Mike, Mark Moikens and a, and a couple others on YouTube as well who are teaching really well. A great example, by the way, on Linda. And here's a small tip for people I don't know how many cities participate in this. I know Los mm-hmm. Angeles participates in this. But if you have a library card in Los Angeles and check mm-hmm. your city as well, you get a free account in lynda.com, which is just oh, wow. unbelievable. Yes. Um, huh. So Linda is a phenomenal resource because it has many courses on sub-subjects. So you learn Swift. I forget his name right now, but he is an amazing teacher and a really good explainer. 
and he moved uh, from Linda to he's teaching on. I'll uh, if it if it comes back to me, I'll okay. I'll, uh, I'll say it, or worst case, I'll, I'll send you the link and you can add okay, it. Okay, yeah, add it to the show notes. It. Yeah, and I'll add those. Uh, if you give me the links to the Mark Moykins, I think you said, and any yeah, of the other people that you thought were good resources, I'll throw them in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. And so Linda has been a really good supplemental resource. Uh, and also, even if you can't, even if you don't have the library card, kind of get it for free. It's also not that expensive, and you get their entire library of you know, videos about Photoshop and video editing and, and marketing. And just, it's, it's just so comprehensive that for, again, 15 or 20 bucks a month, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to beat it. And so they have a mini courses about, you know, learning Swift Basic, learning mm-hmm. Swift Intermediate, learning uh, core data, learning iOS notifications, learning, you know, um, how to build a note-taking app or how to build, you know, a voice recording app. So they are a little more focused and they're really good at teaching because I think okay. their teachers are vetted well and they have taught a lot of courses um, and they have example files and so on. So that has been mm-hmm. a tremendous supplemental material kind of stuff that when I'm, getting, when I'm stuck on a particular sub-subject like Core Data, uh, and that has been able to uh, help clarify a lot. And of course, I, I would be remiss to mention uh, the various Slack channels that people have created. And, and again, the community there just has been amazing at uh, really helping sort of understand things and answer and solve problems and help you debug and, and so on. So tell me one thing that you've learned recently uh, in Swift that you thought was really cool. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great <laughs> that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think I, I I started digging finally into some of the built-in functions for some of the structures and, and classes. So um, there's a lot that you, that Apple has saved a lot of time by writing some of these things. So anything that you can apply to any array, like you know sorting and map. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So I, I started digging finally into more of that and realized there's a lot that you don't have to learn how to do yourself or have to right. or just have to code it out in terms of, you know, sort of semi-manually achieving right. a purpose that can be done with one line. Um, right. So so a lot of these has been like, I, I mean, they're just I gave map and sort as an example, uh, but there's a lot of little ones like this. And if you um, if you suspect that, you know, a particular, um, you know, type in, in Swift should have or might have some kind of thing that you can apply to it to, to do some kind of calculation or change or, uh, or sorting and, and stuff like that, look it up. <laughs> There's right. probably something to it. And, yeah. and Apple has created, like, brilliant creators of Swift have, done, have made it such a friendly um, language. And those are, those are the ones that I've recently sort of gotten more into um generics is a cool one that i've uh, you know wanted to understand better recently so i dug into it although I'm, st- I'm still not always sure some of these things in swift what would be a great use case example that i would right. use it for that's that's, but, that's something i struggle with a lot like i understand protocols and structs and enums like those are great things to use in your code um and i've started to use structs 
and enums and stuff like that more. Uh, but as far as protocols go, I'm still like, like I'm just writing this small project. Like, do I really need to make a protocol for it? Yeah. And, and for me, I, I'm the same. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot of challenge and you, and not everybody teaches uh, how to create a model well and how to structure your code very well. Uh, in some cases, they'll give you some examples and, you know, how to write clean code and so on and uh, when to refractor and when to, um, you know, start writing a function for something you would just put in view did load or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but I've discovered that I really, and I think most of us will, I believe most, most of us will just realize that when the when the time comes we we would one day write repeat repeating code and just it will suddenly hit us that we should just take a little more time and write a slightly more complex little function that you mm -hmm. can apply multiple times in multiple cases with slight differences right um and um and those things are or or uh the challenge of you know I can create this in a multitude of ways. Which way should I create it in? And I don't know. And suddenly I'm stuck because I can do, um, you know, move from one view control to another in one way, or maybe I should just hide an element and display an element on screen instead, instead of moving to a whole new view controller. Uh, there's a lot of little things about how to structure an app that's not easy to learn other than just having to try it. And so necessity, uh, you know, for me has created the scenario in which I'm like, okay, how should I do this? And then I might actually ask the community and they'll give me some of the options and they say, well, you can do it in any of those ways, but did you think about this way? Or they'll say, you should probably try this first. And if this doesn't fit you, try these afterwards. Yeah, I think I need to spend more time interacting with people on a code level because I don't really do that too much. Uh, and I think that's probably holding me back a little bit in regards yeah. to... Uh, any kind of architecture modeling of anything yeah, really. you have to, yeah you have to you have to really engage with code and engage with people with code because that's that's helpful and show people examples when you ask questions show them your code put it on github uh post it on Slack, on um, stack overflow and so on mm -hmm. and and that's been very helpful for me and of course um i don't have a hard time inventing you know trial projects uh, that will force me to create one thing or another to try to understand mm -hmm. it uh, better. But because I have so many ideas I want to build anyway, that has given me enough to work with to just stumble on these, you know, weird, random, specific scenarios for which I have to find a uh, computer science type of solution, uh, to put it one way. Right. So speaking of projects for you to build, I'm sitting here with your app, uh, Six Degrees of Hollywood. Yeah. And, uh, oh, dang it. I just had, I had James Franco and Mel Gibson. So <laughs> that was going to be an easier one for me, but now I don't know what's going to happen. So just give a brief overview of six degrees of Hollywood. So I don't completely butcher it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's basically a movie trivia game in the style of, or in a, on the concept of six degrees of separation was made famous by the, the game people would use, uh, would play sort of just verbally, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, where you have a, st a starting actor in the, everybody, pro most people probably know Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You would, you know, challenge your friend with an, with an actor and say, you know, in the m fewest number of steps, connections, you need to get through their movies, through, you know, 
Uh, so Charlize Theron was in this movie with What's-His-Name and What's-His-Name was in that movie with What's-Her-Face and so on and so forth. To get to Kevin Bacon in under six uh, connections, under six steps, or as few connections as possible, actually. Right. You, don't, you don't have to limit it to six. But the idea of six degrees of separation is that everybody in the world supposedly is linked to everybody else by a maximum of six degrees. And and my friend uh, used to just play it with himself uh, with with the IMDb app and mm-hmm. said, you know what, this is this would be a great you know standalone game if you apply it to all like Hollywood actors. And that was the time that I you know was, was studying and needed a project that is relatively simple enough that I believe I, I got to the point where I can build it, but also also interesting enough and fun enough and would challenge me enough that it would be a perfect first app to build. Like it, it's not one of the, my big ideas and big ambitious stuff that's going to um, take a long time and would, would be very hard. Because what I found was, and this is crucial for learning for people like me, as I say, uh, is that I need something that's really in that band of the spectrum of doable. It's not too hard or too complex or too big that I can actually do it, but it's challenging enough that, that will force me to learn. But but I can make progress on enough that will motivate me to continue because, you know, getting stuck and being frustrated is very challenging. Yeah. Once you lose motivation, it's very hard to progress. And that was within that scope. So I basically built that app. It took, took a few months. Okay. Um, and I, the core things I had to really kind of learn and understand is work with NSURL session and doing, mm-hmm. working with the TMDB API, which is fantastic API. I was going to ask you what, uh, I'm, I was going to ask if it was an IMDB or something like that, but what, what, what API did you say it was? Yeah. TMDB. It's the movie, the movie database. Okay. Uh, IMDB has, it doesn't have an API or rather has a private API that they don't, okay. they don't give to the public access right. uh, probably barring some some specific cases but tmdb is fantastic not only is it free up to at least a, a certain amount i don't i don't think the um they limit it for most people in most cases mm-hmm. it's also very user-friendly the documentation is fantastic their um uh, their forms are great and they're very uh engaging over there and they have this sort of try this so in any particular API call, you can input the info in a graphical user interface and, and see the results, and that okay. helps you sort of code for it. Do they give you the uh, image URLs as well? Yeah, they give okay. you image URLs and, or a way to construct them. Okay. Um, you know, details, and they, they have a very comprehensive database, very very akin to IMDb. Right. Um, and it's uh, it was great great to work with. It's a great one to start with. Um, and so I, I had to sort of figure that out in how to do uh, background tasks and manage queues. Um, and uh, let's see what else. I've, you know, saved some data and core data for the history. Okay. And uh, URL, um, u- um, user defaults, uh, save some some settings of the app. I did all the design myself. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it, it, looks pre- it looks pretty clean. You know what I mean? I Thank mean, it's you. not flashy or anything, but I mean, it's very clean. It's, it's not, there's no... Um, it's definitely not overdone and just spoiler alert it whenever you get a you finally <laughs> meet your <laughs> get to your <laughs> your endpoint you get you get confetti did you design the confetti too uh no that's okay. actually one of those um one of those uh github projects that people you know okay. somebody created okay. and shared and okay. uh, integrated like a third party little 
mini library okay. for confetti. It was just okay. just a fun. Yeah, a fun no, it's game. it's fun because my wife. Uh, I showed my wife the game and she wanted to play and she just wasn't very good at it and, <laughs> and she'd pass it back to me and I'd get it. <laughs> nice. It's a hard game. It's a really hard game. I discovered when building it because now I had to I had to cheat in the beginning and create like. Um, you know, debugging uh, uh, functionality for me to get to the success page because otherwise I would waste like 30 minutes trying to <laughs> right. solve a, a puzzle by myself yeah. and I, I had to cheat. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. It was fun integrating like third party stuff as well. So you've got your difficulty levels and I've only done it on easy, right? So how hard does it get? Because I've seen a couple that ha- that would pop up on the easy so what what are you using to determine yeah. what constitutes a famous person? Is it number of roles? No, that's a, a, no, no. Actually, th- that was an interesting challenge because I wasn't sure how to create difficulty level, but I knew I wanted to do it. Uh, and what I've ended up using is that this particular API and their database, uh, I'm pulling from the popular list. And so okay. they're, they're defining but a particular algorithm, which is like usage and queries and um, all sorts of other stuff what what constitutes popular and it's an ever-changing thing and so all i'm doing uh for ease for easy i'm pulling from a certain spectrum of the most popular and for hard i'm just increasing that spectrum far more into the obscure down the list of popularity because it's organized by popularity score i can just increase i'm pulling from a bigger pool of people and and going more and more obscure. So you might still get super popular people on the hard level. Right. And as, as you get new challenges, you might get people who are like, whoa, I know this person, but I don't really know all their movies and so okay. on. So that was a solution for it. Um, and I'm thinking about like future versions would include uh, TV shows. So a difficulty level setting might be toggling between doing, um, having movies and tv shows of actors mm-hmm. uh having only movies or having only tv shows which okay is, you know challenging on its own right now it's movies only right um and i have a lot of ideas that i'm working on for version two like you know share a challenge you know challenge a friend uh adding hints and maybe you know allowing people to have some hints um that would be cool maybe maybe uh you could um give people yeah. like so you get so many stars and you, that's how many hints you get or something like that and maybe yeah. you can like get rid of half the movies off because of, like some of these <laughs> some of these lists are pretty long i mean you know depending especially when you're on the famous people i mean it might not necessarily be uh super difficult but i mean just deciding where to go if they don't have like a direct connection like i saw margot robbie on here with christian bale yeah. and they were both together in um i forget the name of the movie the big short i think it was yeah, sometimes um, it's straightforward and easy. Yeah, and yeah, you know, you can see them on the uh, on the movie covers. But uh, whenever you whenever you don't know, though, I mean, it can it's it's still difficult, even yeah. with two famous people. Did you stumble upon the the tips and in, under the instructions page? Let me see. There are tips. We provided some some ideas and some some uh, methodologies of how to go about. Oh yeah, yeah, places. yeah, and in, in the how to play, yeah, in the instructions. Yeah, and uh, and the hints that we're probably going to add is uh, show you some of the popular movies of your destination actor. Okay. Yeah. So that will give you a little more uh, room to work with. Uh, but, of course, some of the tips is, you know, going for somebody popular who has, like, a big sort of uh, uh, history or people who are in ensemble movies with a lot of a big cast so you can jump to different actors and so on. And there's all sorts of... Uh, 
ways to do it. And I'm kind of proud of this little project. It came out nicely. I think the, uh, I wanted to mention the design part. Um, I really had to dig into auto layout to understand it. Uh, that was a big challenge on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and also just um, working again, I'll mention and, and I'll send you the link from Mike, Mark Moykins, who's doing videos, not just about Swift itself, but about mm-hmm. how to, how to design apps, how to do animations, how to do interactions. Uh, it's like the side that the side of building apps that not very many people teach, uh, and he does a great job at that as well. So, did you make the you made the logo and everything too? Yeah, I made the logo in I, Sketch. Okay, <sighs> cool. It looks it looks very good. It's very clean. I mean, uh, I don't know what you test on, but I'm on a I have a six S plus, and I mean everything looks great on it. Oh, that's good to hear because I yeah. didn't I didn't have a yeah. plus to test yeah. on. Yeah, no, I've got a plus and uh, like especially the, the the main splash screen or whatever you want to call it. I mean, the where how you have your um your buttons for your new game, how to play difficulty level in history. Uh, yeah. It's it's all centered real great. It's like the the padding from the bottom versus the padding from the from the star. The the I guess you wouldn't call it the apex, but like on the underside yeah. of the star where that meet. I mean, it all looks very like visually spaced. I mean, I don't know if it's pixel perfect, but it looks pretty good to me. Yeah, it's, it looks a little different on different screens, but it it uh, it was a combination of so so what I did with in terms of the design and it was a challenge because I'm I'm not a graphic designer, although I've done done uh, some amount of design in in building websites. Mm-hmm. I I have the problem of like I recognize good design when I see it, but I might not always be able to come up with it myself. Right. And so a combination of watching Mark's videos about you know building you know, building visual aspects of apps and then just skimming through Dribbble for inspiration, just seeing what looks good suddenly when I see live examples. So I can go, you know, go to Dribbble and search app or search user interface or search, you know, splash screen or whatever. Is and, Dribbble kind of like, um, I, I've never heard of Dribbble before. Will you? Oh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's like a show and tell for designers. That's their okay. tagline. Okay. It's uh, three, I'll put that. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. Yeah, it's three Bs. So dribble. Uh, okay. Com with three Bs. Three Bs. Uh, and then you can just search for also so keyboards, and you'll see some phenomenal graphical designs and GIF animations for interactions and in uh, and stuff. And you can get a lot of inspirations of what looks good to you, or if you're you know building a particular type of interface. Uh, let's say you're building a, a sign up form, so you can search form or app form or app sign up and see examples of that. Okay. So I've been able to draw some inspiration, some like design elements, like oh, in the card things of like the actor face, the actors that you choose in the beginning, um, you know, rounded corners and drop shadow can really kind of make it pop out. For example, right. Um, you know, buttons with full color. And you know, you know, rounded corners and stuff like that. And I and I've got uh, a good amount of tips uh, from my friend who is a graphic designer, and sort of just steered me in the right direction. Okay. In terms of you know a style guide and having just coherent colors and not all over the place. And it takes time to learn, but it's it's nice to play around with this stuff because you start to get the sense of you know what looks okay and what's not, and you just tinker with it until you feel a little better about it at least i'm guessing you're running doing using a lot of gcd then since this is all being network called right for the uh yeah for the images and whatnot are you caching any of these images no i'm not okay and that was a that was a big challenge uh in all sorts of ways because i had and here is one of those examples of like 
I can do it in more than one way. How should I do it? And mm -hmm. the first instinct was, um, you know, basically have a navigation controller where every movie or actor you click on, it slides to a next, you know, view controller. But then right. you're basically stacking a possibly infinite number of view controllers yeah. on top of one another. And that's not great. So mm. what I ended up doing is staying on the same view controller and just refreshing the content of the collection and staying okay. on the same page. So say I'm, I don't even know this actor, Boyd Holbrook. So whenever I click on Boomtown or uh, let's just do Logan. Cause I like that movie. So <laughs> I click on Logan. And so you're doing a new network call, but for the same on the same view controller. And then it's populating whatever you made that call. So I, I I'm guessing <clears throat> whenever you call a movie, it's pulling the list of actors when you, when you QA or yes. you click on an actor, it pulls the movies. Yeah. And in terms of the database, sort of, it's sort of nested because uh, what I'm doing originally is I'm, I'm, I'm pulling uh, random actors from the popular actor data, um, you know, part of the database. Mm -hmm. um, but then I'm saving information about this actor uh, because that, that part of the database already contains their, um, their credits. So the, the movies that they were in. Right. And so I have that information in my um, in my class item for you know a an actor or the same with the movies I have the 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 crew, uh, the cast rather, um, and so the next time somebody clicks on one of those, I send a new request to get the, the item for that movie or actor with its cast or credits, um, and yes, and then I and and then I have to send a request for each of the the images for that right so i'm throwing a bunch of requests in a row mm -hmm. uh to the background and then as soon as they come in i populate i repopulate the collection and luckily enough of course this happens uh sufficiently Almost fast. instantaneously yeah right, it's like right. I, I think i think only and it might have more to do with my connection where i'm at than anything else but yeah um, i hardly any lag between uh, the next page and whenever yeah, all the, and it, all and the it took populate. and that had some interesting challenges one it took realizing that i should pull a smaller image for each one instead of the full right full, full size one uh and i figured out how to do that in the api the other thing the biggest challenge i've had is with concurrency it with with cues and uh i ended up you know not just doing instead of like this nested uh nsurl operations the challenge, because I'm refreshing, I'm not creating a new view controller. I'm refreshing the existing, um, the existing collection view, mm -hmm. and and it's the same code, uh, and you have you basically have these loops that run through all the items and populate them. I had a challenge of you know index out of you know error index out of range and stuff like that because okay. sometimes you might click on on an item, you have a new movie showing up. At the, at the collection view and you click on it before the rest of the collection has been fetched and populated. Okay. So now I had to find, figure out how to get rid of these, you know, running in the background queues that I don't need that are just taking bandwidth and also are not relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. So by the time they come back, I have a different index for the new collection and there's a lot of crashes and a lot of challenges. And I ended up using, um, moving to an operation queue so I can actually like cancel and ignore previous ones if I moved on to the next fetch or next okay. series of fetches. And that was one of those learn as you go kind of is that things. is that a GCD QoS option? 
Um, it's not. I th I don't think it's. Um, I'm not really very familiar with concurrency. Yeah, at all, I, I, don't, so. I don't think it's technically Grand Central Dispatch, or maybe it's okay. in the family. Um, but it, but it's a, it's. Um, I forget the name, but it's it's basically operations queue. So, so you create um. Uh, and you create operations to run like blocks of codes, mm -hmm. uh, and then you create um, a queue for them. But that has a function added functionality uh, of being able to. Uh, cancel some of them if they haven't started yet. Oh, or... so is it like what what would be called serial queues? Then they don't run at the same time they're running. Um, when one finishes, the no, next one starts. No, no, this okay. wasn't actually serial, but um, but it has it still has the ability to uh, to basically check if it if it ran and okay. uh, or or if it you know if it's needed anymore. Okay, uh, in some way and just completely cancel it before it runs. Uh, if you don't need it anymore, and that was that solved the problem in in general terms. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jay, I think we're starting to run out of time. Is there anything that you would like to talk about before we sign off? Well, I I, I would love to just reiterate, and I'm sure many other people have said that, but um, just understand that for people learning and and trying to figure all this out, understand that frustration will come. And that that's okay, and it will pass. Um, look to learn the concepts themselves. Look to people to actually, you know, help you. And there are plenty of generous people. Uh, you don't need to be a burden on people, but look for methodologies. And if you can afford it, if you can afford learning from people, whether it's Code Mentor or a boot camp uh, or Udacity or any of that, uh, I think it's worth it. And um, and just just code as much as you can. And it's just a, a learn by process. It's just, uh, for me, it was very difficult to get over some of the frustration because I, I felt that some of the the only resources were not adequate at my financial level right. um, to teach some of these concepts. And so I had to muster some more, some more patience and, um, and just, you will figure it out. You can figure it out. It's all figure outable. So don't, don't despair. All right. Well, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Yeah, uh, you can go to jaymutsafi.com, which is J-A-Y-M-U-T-Z-A-F-I.com. Uh, um, you'll find the rest of my stuff, the same, same uh, Twitter address. I'm active on Twitter. Um, I'm <laughs> in some of the Slack channels. And uh, I'm here in Portland. If you're local to Portland, uh, hit me up and uh, happy to get together. Or if you want to look for the meetup in Portland. It's Learn Swift, uh, Learn Swift Portland, or you can find Learn Swift PDX and join join our meetup, which is uh, starting up soon. And uh, yeah, it's um, I'm all over the place. All right. Well, Jay, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This has been a, a, a true pleasure. I appreciate it. And that concludes this episode of the Learn Swift podcast. I hope our discussion left you feeling inspired and that you're not alone. If you enjoyed the show, please consider telling a friend, recommending the show on Overcast, or leaving a review on iTunes. If you just want to say hello, you can reach me on Twitter at Stephen underscore 0351. Thanks, and see you next time.